This is Around the Rim with LaChina Robinson. Hey, basketball fans. Welcome to a new episode of your ESPNW's Women's Basketball Podcast, Around the Rim. I'm your favorite producer, Tarika Foster-Brasby, and I am filling in for the queen today. I know, I know, I do usually give LaChina a hard time when she's absent, but today is for good reason, so I'm going to cut her some slack. However, we could not let this week go by without recapping and delving into what was quite a battle between the number one and the number two team in the country, the South Carolina Gamecocks versus the Connecticut Huskies, in which the Huskies won 63-59 to in an overtime thriller. You guys, that was one that you should not have missed. It had its moments. Sometimes it got ugly. Sometimes it got sloppy. But ultimately, it was certainly one for the books. And it was also one that gave the UConn Huskies their seventh win over the AP number one ranked team since the 1999-2000 season. And as you could have guessed it, it was the freshman Paige Beckers that took over the game late, dropping 31 points, helping to seal the deal for the Huskies. So on this fast break edition of the podcast, I'm going to be joined by two special guests that are going to help me break down this matchup. ACC analyst Monica McNutt, who was on the call for that game alongside our friend of the podcast, Lisa Byington, and SEC analyst Andrea Carter, both of which bring just a wealth of knowledge and a probably forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know. So I'm super excited to talk to both of them, to have them join me for a few minutes, just to kind of break down and talk about the things that we saw and get their viewpoints. And I know you guys will be as well. So relax, come kick it with us. And remember, if you like what you hear, rate, subscribe, and review. You can listen to us on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us an email at around the rim podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media. The podcast handle is at around the rim pod. LaChina is at LaChina Robinson on both Instagram and Twitter. I am at she knows sports underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. And now without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, basketball fans. So we witnessed quite a matchup um, between the Big East and the SEC. And so I feel like there's no better way to break down what we saw than to have my own Big East SEC kind of battle going on here. Um, So I've got former Hoya. I've got former Lady Ball women's basketball analysts now, color commentators now, just all around amazing women who just know this sport better than everyone. Uh, Monica McNutt and Andrea Carter are joining us on the podcast. Hey, y'all. Can you introduce me all the time? <laughs> Wherever, please. That's, that's great, right, Monica? I mean, it's fantastic. 100%. I'm smiling ear to ear. Thanks, T. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Thank you guys so much for making the time to join us on the podcast today. I'm super excited to have you both here. And 
we have got to talk about this matchup that was ridiculous, right? Like it's as wild and as sloppy as it was, it was also extremely competitive and uh, clearly one for the books as it aired on Fox Sports 1 and it was the biggest, uh, most viewed game that they had had on their air. So uh, there's a lot to unpack here and I'm super happy you guys are going to be here to do that with us. So first, let's start with you, Monica. Uh, you were on the call for that game, which is awesome. UConn um, came into this matchup with a 59% chance to win according to the ESPN Basketball Power Index. And they had some struggles recently against top five ranked opponents, actually dropping three straight. What did you see or your overall thoughts on uh, UConn performance coming into this game as well as what you saw while they were playing? First of all, this is a safe space. One, your producer T, all your knowledge. I didn't know that they had a 59% chance to win. Second, until the game started, well, maybe until I got to the studio, I was fully prepared for somebody with more props to come in and swoop my job because I was like, I'm calling one and two? Like, what? This is real. They're going to let me do this? <laughs> um, so that was super, super exciting. Um, it was an honor to be a part of it. Like, it's the biggest game I've been a part of as a broadcaster or a player, quite honestly, because we was never ranked that high. We was on the other side of some losses versus UConn back in the day, but we went never ranked that high. Um, but honest expectations? I really thought South Carolina was going to come in there and win that ball game. I mean, I think Paige has been tremendous all season, but outside of her, I thought that UConn had been kind of inconsistent. And Aaliyah Boston, to me, prior to that game, had been in such a zone, and the speed of Destiny Henderson when she kicks in that second tier and Zaya Cook, I thought UConn was going to struggle both with transition and um, Boston and Victoria Saxton inside. Andrea, UConn has dominated this series with South Carolina, leading the series 8-1 and one all time. However, coincidentally, the last time that South Carolina and UConn faced, which was exactly one year ago today, and South Carolina was also sitting in the number one spot, they came out victorious. Um, they'd also been playing extremely well. 22 road game streak win was on the line. You had to think that there was momentum in their favor uh, heading into, into this matchup. What did you see uh, from the Gamecocks? You know, I feel like it was, obviously they had a lot of momentum, but if you look at last year's team to this year's team, they're just, they're, they're a, there are a lot of similarities, but there's also two big differences in missing Ty Harris and Kiki Herbert Harrigan, right? And so from the jump, like from the very beginning of the game, I was immediately thinking South Carolina is not spending very much time on offense. They're spending a lot of time on defense. They were not spending a lot of time on offense. What is that? That's the point guard, right? And Destiny Henderson, fast as lightning, amazing in transition. She has great touch on the basketball. She's quick on quick, but she has never been on that stage before, right? And if you think about even last year, you know, Leah Boston, Zai Cook, Bree Beal, Destiny Henderson, Victoria Saxton, all those players so talented, but they didn't play in the tournament last year, right? Really, they played in the SEC tournament, but they blew everybody out the whole time. So really, if you think about competitive games, like on this big stage, this is the biggest game that they played in, I think, in my opinion. I don't think there's been a bigger stage. And so I think that's hard. I think there's a lot of pressure. I think that, you know, I think they're, the more talented team, hands down, like position to position. I don't think anybody's more talented than South Carolina, 
but I think UConn executed better and, and the execution won the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, it's funny you said that Andrea, because both coaches, well, actually Gino more candidly was like, I got seven freshmen. He's like, I knew last year when we went down to South Carolina, I didn't expect to win that game. He's like, tonight it could go either way. Um, but they didn't necessarily have that experience either. And so I was just really surprised with their ability to sit down and defend. Like the fact that South Carolina had zero fast break points at halftime, when I hijacked the Telestrator pin on the broadcast, y'all, for a minute, I forgot I was on TV. Cause I was like, this is crazy. And then like halfway through, I was like, I got to commit to this cause now I'm on TV. But um, I thought UConn did a great job of sitting down and defending. And that to me was so impressive. Uh, Olivia Nelson Odota in terms of those back doors. And then I don't know if we can say enough about Paige Beckers. When, when Gino said, I think she's been better than advertised, like my jaw dropped because he doesn't say stuff like that lightly. In fact, I remember back to media day and he was like, the kid hasn't played a single game as a collegiate athlete. Like, what are we doing? And now he's like, she's better than advertised. You're absolutely right, Monica. I mean, what she's doing and has been able to do she's shooting as as efficient as you possibly can averaging 21.1 points per game shooting 56.9 percent from the field um her scoring average is on pace to be the third highest single season points per game in women's program history at uconn it's the most for a freshman both men and women's it's just undeniable what she's been able to do and we actually have um a little bit of sound from from Paige after the win Take a listen. We had to give it all on both sides of the floor. We didn't shoot that well um, on offense, but I think our defense really picked it up tonight. It was a really low scoring game, but I think I'm really proud of our defense and the strides that we're making on that then. Um, and it was just a really fun and, I mean, I wish the fans were there, but it was still a great atmosphere just being a part of that game, just the energy that both sides um, brought. Um, but it was just a really fun and competitive game. Just to follow up. Do you ever surprise yourself? Uh, yeah, going one for six from three was pretty disappointing, honestly. Um, but yeah, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> this kid averages 55.6% from the three-point line, and yet she goes one for six and still manages to drop 31 points. You know, like to me, that just speaks volumes to her as a basketball player because she still has so much room to grow. Like it's crazy. But Andrea, she wasn't the only one who couldn't buy a shot from the three point line. Like no one was able to, to do anything um, from long range. You know, I feel like for me, not hitting threes, I was almost, I don't want to say I was excited that they weren't hitting threes. Cause obviously you want to see a high scoring game and an exciting game. The game was still exciting for me because I love the mid-range game. So every mid-range pull-up that Paige Beckers hit or every time that Zai Cook got to the rim or Destiny Henderson got to the rim, the ability to attack off the bounce, I feel like is something that a lot of people don't appreciate that much anymore, that you don't see that much anymore. And so the mid-range game, and really, if you think about it, they were taking and hitting really tough shots. Mm -hmm. Like there weren't, I think UConn had a couple run out layups, right? But there really weren't blown defensive assignments. Paige Beckers was hitting shots with a hand in her face. Zia Cook was going up and under the rim. So I think, you know, yeah, they weren't hitting threes. They weren't getting open threes really to hit. Mm -hmm. Maybe a couple, but you know, people are like, 
They didn't hit very many threes. They didn't get very many threes. It was a defensive game. The shots that they hit showed the talent of those players, in my opinion. Now, as we talk about offensive struggles, there were some interesting comments from Coach Don Staley after the game in which the balls, like the actual basketballs, uh, were possibly considered a reason as to why it was difficult for the Gamecocks to make adjustments. Take a listen. Um, I mean, less dribbling. Um, and <laughs> and I, I, I will say this, and it's, it's no excuses, but playing with the Nike ball is a lot different than playing with the Wilson ball. And our, you know, our, our, you know, our guards never made the adjustment of playing with it. You got to dribble less. Well, you got to you got to pound it in in the floor a lot more for it to come back. You know, I thought uh, you know I thought we tried to take less dribbles and, and make passes into our post players, um, Aaliyah in particular. Um, but they made it hard. They crowded her space. Uh, we were just off. You know, we were off offensively. There was no fluidity. Um, there was uh, we were off. Now, I'll be honest, my basketball days ended, you know, <laughs> once high school was over. So I did not realize that there was a difference in how the balls feel or um, I didn't realize that there was a difference. But it does make a lot of sense that, you know, when you're used to playing with one piece of equipment and you change to something different, that it would be a little bit difficult to make adjustments. Andrea, help fill me in on this. I'm, I, I know she said, you know, can't make excuses. And I agree, you can't make excuses, but it is true. As a point guard, like I remember in high school, we would, at my high school, sometimes some schools would play with the wave balls. Other schools wouldn't play with the wave balls, right? And, and they're totally different. They have a different feel. I remember going to USA basketball and being stressed out about the basketballs that they use because they use the orange and white basketballs. And I hated the orange and white basketballs, right? And so it's just things that you think about. The Nike basketballs are more, they're a little more slippery and they almost, it's not like they die when you dribble them. But I can legitimately remember sometimes being like, why, what's going on? Like, why, what's happening here? And so I think that it, it makes sense to say that. And it also makes sense because Destiny Henderson legitimately doesn't turn the ball over eight yeah. times in the game. Like, it, she doesn't do that. She really does a good job at keeping the ball on a string, keeping her head up and, and creating space. So I think that to have eight turnovers could it have been nerves? Yes. Could it have been the basketball? Also, yes. Um, I'm totally deferring to you as a guard because all I did was try to steal it in the pressure and then shoot it. Um, I will say this though, watching that game, like, you know, calling the game in action, the bigger part of that comment that coach made that I think is true was the lack of fluidity. Now we could get into why, but as we prepare for the game, I asked her, you know, how much in what ways has your team grown most since the loss at NC State? And that performance versus UConn, to me, that reminded me of what their struggles with NC State. And she said, with decision-making, if the ball is not what you want it to be, I thought that they would have gone more to the high-low action, particularly with Saxton and Beal sometimes as a big guard or Saxton to Boston. There were some things in the half-court adjustments that I was looking for that I didn't see. Um, and maybe, you know, so much of their offense comes from the fast break, but I don't even really think they started to make a concerted effort to find Aaliyah until that fourth quarter. And as much as the balls may have come to play at the end of regulation, they had three layups y'all like granted it was crowded, yeah. 
but you had a chance. Like you had a chance. Right. No, absolutely. Great point. Great point. Now we look forward, right? We know that it's, or at least we assume that there will be a new number one team heading into next week. We assume or could fairly assume that um, if all things remain the same and no unexpected losses occur, that that new number one team could be the Connecticut Huskies. And it's an interesting stat here that number one teams have lost four times already this season, which is the most losses by number one teams in a season since the 2012-2013 season. So, you know, it's like it's a it's a never ending battle here. There's a different team every week that could possibly be sitting at this number one spot. We don't know. Right. So um, it's a possibility, a real possibility that UConn could be the fourth different number one team that we see sitting in that spot in the AP poll rankings come next Monday. Um, however, we still have a lot of basketball and we're still looking forward towards the NCAA tournament. So moving forward um, for the UConn Huskies, Monica, what do you see needs to happen? I actually, okay, so it's three names that come to mind that kind of stood out for UConn to me, two of them being freshmen and then um, the sophomore. Aubrey Griffin, I thought was terrific in that ball game. She was willing to be physical. She was athletic. She was diving all over the place. She didn't miss her defensive assignments. I thought Aaliyah Edwards was huge in that basketball game because she's willing to give you the physicality that sometimes Olivia Nelson Odota doesn't necessarily show up with. And then I actually think Nika Mule had a big game. Um, she jumped out, got a couple of steals in transition. And Gino actually told us that she is the kid that sets the pace in terms of what they're going to do defensively. UConn played, besides not hitting three, in my mind, just about as well as they can play in terms of the balance across the board. And you still have Paige as the headlight with 30 points, right? Um, but to me, if those three players come on, that starts to give Gino a little bit of depth that he can trust. And because of the versatility of their skill sets, they're not going to go that cold from behind the arc down the rest of the way. Right. But Aaliyah Edwards, to me, willingness, not just willingness to be physical, but she stayed out of foul trouble in that game too, which was huge for her because she has a tendency because she is willing to be physical to pick up some fouls. Um, if, if UConn's going to be, I guess we're talking, you know, final four national championship team, those three players to me have to continue to be productive. And um, Liv is not always going to be able to uh, get assists the way she did the other day or dribble the rock, but I do know that Gino likes when she is that versatile. He actually said that their, her performance against Marquette was there was her most complete performance of the year. And as a team, he thought that that was their best performance. Same questions, Drea, for the, for the Gamecocks. Coming off of such a deflating loss, um, a hard-fought overtime game, just being uh, voted the number one team in the country and then immediately losing the same day, how do you move forward? Yeah, you know, I think that obviously we've said it a ton, they have the talent. I think it definitely, you know, their defense, I like their defense. I feel like they play all over the place. I feel like they help each other when they need to. I feel like they made Paige Beckers prove how good she is. Like they made her work so hard, right? They limited Olivia Nelson Odota. Like I, I think their defense is strong. I think on the defensive end, what they'll have to be able to add is one or two, and maybe they have this and it was just too tough to put it in the game because they didn't work on it, but being able to do something different on ball screens, maybe yeah. they've always gotten away with, not gotten away with, but maybe they've always been able to 
hedge and go under, right? But when it's not on the handoff to the ball screen action or anything like that with Paige Beckers that she was really got going, maybe they start to trap. Maybe they add a icing the ball screen. Like maybe they add, I've seen like a one, three, one from them. Maybe they add that just kind of adding another dimension to their already strong defense. I think that's how they level up and become really tough. Right. But then on the offensive end, it's not even adding dimensions. It's just getting down the fluidity and the flow, making the extra pass. And I think just playing through the offense and playing longer, right? Like I think yeah. sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you know, Monica was talking about how they didn't make an effort to get Aaliyah Boston the ball. I think sometimes the play died before she even got to mm-hmm. go to the block, mm-hmm. right? You know, like there were a couple of times where, you know, someone came off the ball screen, they hedged, the attack wasn't there. They didn't get a ball reversal. They kicked it back, same side, took a shot, that plays over, right? Instead of maybe when you catch it on the outside, get a long closeout, attack again, then get the ball to the other side of the, get a reversal, right? So just adding that fluidity and movement and kind of just sense of, hey, we've taken two quick shots. Let's take this whole 30 seconds, yeah. unless it's a Leah Boston in the paint, right? Yeah. Like just kind of that offensive awareness so like one more level to the defense and then just that offensive just that sense that I think Ty Harris brought to them that in close games they don't have just yet yeah that that's such a great point Drea because I remember mm-hmm. I, for as quick as I and Destiny were I was like why, why are they getting so flustered by this hedge and then in the third quarter they were splitting the hedge and then they kind of stopped doing that but to your point like they would split the hedge kind of get into maybe one extra pass if not into the pull-up and then you're right like we didn't see the offense matriculate um but I, I mean it was it was a memorable classic I'm hesitant about good because the offense was a little bit ugly but I thought it was a very competitive for sure great women's basketball game yeah no I, I loved it I think that we saw very strong very skilled very athletic talented women like when you just watch them the way that they're moving the way that they're communicating i love that we can hear them on the court like I yes yes that yes. is so fun and i think that you know overall it's a representation of you know look what women can do this this is what we can do we're not hitting shots the offense is ugly but we're out here grinding and we're strong and we're fast and we're you know like it's fun it was a fun it was still a fun game. Like if you love basketball, you had an appreciation for that game. Definitely. It was such a fun game. It was such a fun game for you to call Monica because when you <laughs> broke out talking about bodies and braids, I was like, wait a minute, Jesus. She didn't, she didn't brought all of it to Fox Sports 1 right now. Not ready I mean, for this. See, I, y'all don't understand like, I can only be me. Like I wasn't going to show up to that game and suddenly turn into Doris Burke or Debbie Antonelli or anybody that is like a voice that we're accustomed to hearing in women's basketball. And thank God for Lisa Byington. She's a true pros pro. She kept us on track, but I had so much fun and I love sneaking in the colorful things to celebrate those girls because we're looking at a lot of black athletes. And so we should be able to relate in that moment and share that with the world. I 100% agree, guys. Thank you guys so much. Before we get out of here, please tell the folks where they can find and follow you. Drea, we'll start with you. Uh, my Instagram and my Twitter are the same. I do have an old Twitter account that I do not have access to. I don't know if it got hacked or what, but I don't have access to it. It is Andrea underscore Carter. Instagram and Twitter, SEC Network, Thursday nights and Sundays, SEC Now. That's pretty much it. 
Oh, we got the same deal except ACC Network Thursday nights. <laughs> Record mine, watch Dre's first, and then come over to ACC. Um, <laughs> come back. So I'm McNutt Monica on everything. Um, and yeah. All right, guys. Well, until next time. Thanks, T. Thank you. All right. All right, fans. That's going to wrap up our show. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We truly hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks again to Monica and Andrea for hanging out with me today and trying to hold down the fort while the China takes care of what she has to take care of. And uh, until then, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.